Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, last week we wrapped up our final show with an OTA preview on the offensive side of the ball. OTAs are underway now. Uh, later today, we're going to get our first view of one of the practices. So let's continue with the preview, but switch to the defensive side of the ball here as the Packers embark on three weeks of OTAs and a week of minicamp. There's a little bit of news at the safety position already in that there's a report out that Josh Jones is skipping the voluntary OTAs. He's not happy with how things are going with him and reportedly has asked to be traded. We're going to see what Matt LaFleur has to say about that and see what develops here this first week of OTAs with regards to that and maybe address it on another show. But I did want to talk a little bit about the safety position because you raised an interesting point in our last show. Thank you. (laughs) Six years ago, 2013, the Packers drafted Eddie Lacy in the second round. But OTA started with Alex Green as the number Correct. one running back. So what I'm interested to see, because different coaching staffs handle this differently, Darnell Savage drafted at number 21 overall. The Packers traded up for him. By all accounts, he's the guy who's going to step in and start next to Adrian Amos, the free agent acquisition at safety. But we'll see if this coaching staff is going to plug him in right away with the first unit right from the get-go, or if it's going to be an Alex Green, Eddie Lacy situation where things are handled a little, a little differently. At the end of the day, I'm not sure how much it matters, but I'm just curious how Matt LaFleur and his coaching staff is going to handle this situation. Mike, I'm going to take you down memory lane for okay. a second here. It's 2013 again. Both of us, our hair's a little darker, <laughs> a few less wrinkles. A little. One thing that happened at that camp, in addition to the Alex Green, Eddie Lacy thing, I don't know if you remember this, but Sam Shields held out that year because he had gotten the restricted tender. That's right. He wanted to get a long-term contract. He reported for the mandatory minicamp, but he didn't participate in OTAs. The voluntary portion. The voluntary portion. Right. There was a young man by the name of Casey Hayward, by the name of Devon House. A lot of young guys on this roster that ended up getting a lot of reps that summer because Shields wasn't there. I'm not sure how this all sorts out with Josh Jones and, and where Savage fits into the big picture, but I think you and I both can agree when you look at the way the depth chart is situated right now, this young man is in a position to get a lot of reps, to get a lot of experience. I can't give you an exact example of, okay, well, here was just a rookie that came in the offseason program and was slotted in as a starter right away. Yeah, There weren't many, because for the most part, the Packers have drafted guys where they already had established starters, and they were sort of bringing these guys up through the pipeline. You were here for Nick Collins and, and basically the bulk of his career. I'm not sure how they handled him in those early years because basically the, the, everyone acknowledged from day one he was going to be a starter. Uh, Morgan Burnett was a guy that ended up being basically a day one starter as well. Safety lends itself to, for whatever reason, as much experience and as much of you know command that it takes for those players to really have on a defense – it lends itself to those guys being able to play right away. And I think when you listen to Savage, you understand his backstory and also the playmaking ability he has in him. Uh, I don't want to compare him to Jair Alexander. I don't want to put those expectations out there for him, but it just does seem like this is a young man that could come in right away and make an impact. Yeah, I think that's what he was drafted for. I think that's what that's why Brian Gutekunst made the investment in that, that he did and traded away two fourth-round picks to move up and make sure that he got him. And Gutekunst said later on in the draft, 
I know for a fact he wasn't going to be there at 30 if he had sat there at the bottom of the first round and, and waited to try to get him at that opportunity. So, um, like I said, at the end of the day, whether he's with the number one unit on the first day or the first week of OTAs or if he eventually gets to that spot, in some ways it really doesn't matter. But for me, it's more of a curiosity thing from this particular coaching staff because um, it is a new staff or the bulk of it is is new. And coaching staffs handle these things differently in terms of uh, there, there's there's pros and cons to it. There's your the one way is to put him in there from day one and you are clear about the expectations right. for this player that <laughs> this is what is going to be expected of you. The flip side of it is there are guys who have been here. There are guys who know the system better and from day one make the younger guy that you expect to be the starter beat those guys out make make them make them earn that spot to some degree instead of just handing it to them right from the get-go so there's different ways to go about it. well and it's like the mike spofford you know let's be real moment of the week here if you had raven green stay healthy last year we're probably looking at a different situation right now if ibrahim campbell doesn't have the significant knee injury that he did maybe he's on this roster right now right The way this shuffles out is there's so much opportunity with the safety position right now with the way the NFL is structured. You can use them in the slot. You can use them in the box as an inside linebacker. They did that last year with Josh Jones, with Campbell, with Eddie Pleasant. All those guys filled that role at different points, Uh, even Jermaine Whitehead before he was released. So there is a lot of multiplicity to that position that lends itself to those guys being able to get in there right away. The thing I like about Savage and the idea of him playing right away back there with Adrian Amos is you're playing with one of, excuse me, what a lot of people I think would consider to be one of the elite young safeties in this league at this point. To have someone to build off of with that, I think would be incredibly beneficial to him because when you look at some of the really good safeties the Packers have had in the past, they haven't always had that benefit. Nick Collins had to go in and be the man from day one. I just think if Savage does get those reps, and again, we'll see how it works out, but the more work he gets with Amos, I think the better it is going to be for him being able to contribute in year one. Well, and I think another thing about Savage's situation here, too, is that with Amos, yes, he's new to the Packers, but he is a veteran. He's played in the NFL for four years. He started dozens of games for a really good Chicago Bears defense. You're not asking Darnell Savage to step in and be the communicator and the signal caller and all of that. Adrian Amos is that guy because he's the veteran and he's got the experience. And he's, in my opinion, is going to be able to pick up Mike Pettin's system without a whole heck of a lot of difficulties. He's a smart player. All of his, the reputation that he brings over from Chicago is you want all of your safeties to have the communication skills, obviously. But Amos is the one who's going to be leaned on um, for that responsibility. So you don't have to put too much on Darnell Savage's plate if you want him to play right away. Which is, again, why I think this could be a really good opportunity for him because when you go back and look at it, Nick Collins was part of a defensive renovation way back when. Morgan Burnett was supposed to be paired with Nick Collins. He gets injured right away with the ACL. The next year, Collins has the neck injury. The one true example of this is probably Burnett being able to shepherd Micah Hyde and, and HaHa Clinton Dix a little bit, but for the most part, it's been really difficult to get that young and, and veteran combination together. The Packers are positioned to do that right now in 2019. Yeah, well, another spot certainly on the defense where opportunity is knocking, and it's a, a spot we've talked about before, and it's inside linebacker because the Packers didn't uh, draft anybody high. Ty Summers was a seventh-round draft pick and the last of the eight picks the Packers made. 
but you have Blake Martinez as your uh, as your stalwart there at inside linebacker and the guy who's going to be, as Mike Pettin likes to say, the nerve center of right. the defense. But Oren Burks was a third-round draft pick last year. The Packers traded up for him. The shoulder injury during the preseason, unfortunately, was a big setback. But this is an opportunity here for Oren Burks to potentially step in. Um, now, granted, different packages, different down and distance situations. You're not always going to have two purebred, so to speak, right. inside right. linebackers on the field. <clears throat> but this is an opportunity for Oren Burks to stand up and say, you know, hey, I'm going to, I want to play a fair amount of snaps in this defense. Yeah, and exactly. When you look at it too, Mike, the the fact that they let go of Antonio Morrison, right? They didn't go out and just sign another veteran to replace him. They understand the upside with Oren Burks, what they want him to be as a player in this league. So from that perspective, I think it is going to be beneficial for him to get as many reps as he can this summer. It was positioned for him last year to be the guy next to Blake Martinez. Once Jake Ryan was out of the picture, yeah. how many stories did everybody on the beat write last year about how Oren Burks is going to have to be a year one starter? They go and get Antonio Morrison. You know, that kind of got them through last season, especially in those early down packages. But the one detriment to that, I felt, was that you weren't able to get Burks as much defensive experience as you probably want for a third-round draft pick. The game has changed a little bit. We'll see exactly what Mike Pettin wants to do with a healthy Burks, with a healthy, you know, Blake Martinez. Does he use as many safeties and defensive backs as he did last year in the box next to Martinez? Yeah, that hybrid role that we've talked about. But as much familiarity that those two can develop together, it's going to be better for this defense and, and seeing exactly who could be that hybrid option. Those are things you always have to weigh out. But the fact of the matter is, Michael, when they drafted Oren Burks, he was sold as already one of those type of players. Yeah. And that's obviously the, the goal that I think the Packers have for him in the long run. Yeah, I think Burks is a really intriguing player because, one, he's smart. And I say that not just because he went to Vanderbilt, but I've talked to him a couple of times, and this is a really, really sharp guy. He's very self-aware. He knows what his limitations were last year, and not just because of the injury, but you know why he wasn't quite able to maybe get the playing time on defense that he wanted. To his credit, he didn't sit and sulk about it and all right. that. He was asked to be a big-time player on special teams, and he was one of the leaders on special teams in terms of coverage tackles and whatnot for this team. Now it's it's year two for him. It's time to take the next step. And uh, you know, this is this is a guy who's motivated and hungry. He doesn't have to learn a new system this year because Mike Pettin is back. There's a lot of things that could that point to you know the arrow pointing up, so to speak, for a guy like Burks. And we've talked so much about this, but when you look at how Blake Martinez made that year one to year two jump, there were questions about Blake coming off his rookie year, about if he could be an every-down player, if he yep. was going to be able to actually beat out Jake Ryan and Joe Thomas for regular playing time in the defense. He did that, and at once he got in that role, and at once the, he, you know, he caught up to the speed of the game, he proved that he could handle an every-down role in this defense. I think Burks is in the same situation now. This is a really big camp for him, really big opportunity. You want to get him as much work as possible. And behind him, you still have James Crawford, who was a special teams ace for him last year. Ty Summers coming in, wanted to show that he belongs. Brady Shelton is a 6'5 inside linebacker that finished last year on the practice squad. So there are a lot of different options to push those guys. 
and also with keeping in mind, you know, some of the special team attributes as as well. You may not have a fourth or fifth year veteran that got brought into the mix, but I still think the competition's there amongst those guys. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, a little bit of sponsor business here, Wes. The Green Bay Packers get ready for game day with the powerful noise canceling technology of Bose Quiet Comfort 35 headphones too. Learn more at www.bose.com/packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. And at home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy, so grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, staying on the defensive side of the ball with regards to OTAs, I think we're curious to see, obviously get our first look at Rashawn Gary, First-round draft pick out of Michigan, number 12 overall. See how he fix, fits into this mix at outside linebacker with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. The two free agent acquisitions, you have Kyler Fackrell coming back at outside linebacker off of a double-digit sack season. As I said on our last show, you can't read too much into what's going on in OTAs, but and these are the kinds of things that we can't necessarily report on until you get to the games in the right. regular season. But we're going to be keeping keeping an eye a little bit on personnel packages. You know, who in certain situations when they're doing 11 on 11, who's on the field in the front seven, who's lining up inside, who's lining up outside, those kinds of things. You and I just kind of make some notes in our notebook and then and then pull those back out in training camp and see where things stand. You can't draw, as you mentioned, you can't draw any overwhelming conclusions uh, based on the three OTA practices that will be open to the media, even the you know two or three minicamp practices. There's just so much going on. It's hard to actually draw too many conclusions when guys are in shells. What I will say, though, going back, because that's just the theme of today's episode is the 2013 draft, <laughs> that first camp practice was when Micah Hyde caught my eye. And yeah. getting an idea of what he could do on the field and how smart he was and how instinctive he was, even when he didn't have the back knowledge of the defense at his grasp, he was one of those guys that stood out to me. I, I think over the years, Mike, there are guys, there are receivers, you know, your Devontae Adams of the world. Adams got off to a great start back in 2014. The next year, even as difficult as that season was for him, Mike McCarthy praised him for being their offseason MVP. This is a chance for the young guys, in particular for me, to, to see those guys now going up against the veterans on this roster yeah. and see how they look, see if they belong, uh, see if they, they look like they're in the right place. You're not looking for anyone to beat David Bakhtiari in a, a pass-rushing drill or to intercept Aaron Rodgers, but it's just trying to get a better feel for what these guys are in for with this league. and. And that's always my biggest takeaway. I, you know, you, you never write a uh, insider like, "Oh, who's today's MVP?" It doesn't work like that. Yeah. But it does give you a chance because I've seen it the other side too over the years um, to get an idea for you know if these guys really belong here. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we may see. I mean, we don't know exactly how these practices are going to be run, but one thing. Whenever there's the one-on-one pass rush, pass blocking drill, that always gets a lot of attention. But yet, to me, when they're not in pads, it's hard to really put yeah. too much into that. You know, in in training camp, when it's full pads and full gear and everything, I think those those one-on-ones become a little bit more meaningful in terms of just seeing what a guy brings to the table. Receiver versus defensive back is always the fun one uh, right yeah. now because yeah, that one the, the the pads and the full contact is not as uh, 
crucial to right. the evaluation part of it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Because with receivers, you can kind of get a feel for how they get in and out of their breaks a little bit, how they come off the line of scrimmage, what kind of techniques they're trying to use, what they might be good at. And the uh, DBs with their hands and, right. and how handsy is a guy or is or is he able to mirror a guy and, and not commit the illegal contact or the defensive holding, that exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. And also, uh, to throw one more thing out there, quarterbacks. I mean, this has been uh, a couple years where, I mean, you go back to 2015, Brett Hundley didn't get off to a great start. And then that, that kind of sort of set the table for Scott Tolzien holding on to that job. That's right. Um, you, you go back to two years ago, I think Taysom Hill shot right out of the gate and really started to catch some attention. Tim Boyle, this is where the the, fa the fascination started with him last year when you saw the ball come out of his hands with the amount of energy that it did. So, yeah, there's still stuff to be drawn from. But it, 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 you take everything with a grain of salt. But you also kind of keeping that grain of salt in your back in mind once you get to July. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, quickly before we go, with regards to special teams, um, Sam Ficken is here on the roster as a second kicker alongside Mason Crosby. Um, but I think you and I have talked about if there's a specialist that we're really going to have our eye on here through the offseason and certainly through training camp, it's J.K. Scott, the second-year punter. This is a guy who could really, really make a difference as the Packers look to take a big step on special teams in 2019. Yeah, as I wrote an insider inbox uh, for Tuesday, too, you look at what last year with, uh, what was that, Michael Dixon did for Seattle, going in there and the weapon that he became as a, as a rookie. It was an all-pro, I believe, right mm -hmm. out of the gate. J.K. Scott, for my money, is every bit as talented as he is. I, I think I think so, When too. you look at the leg power, you look at the things he did last year during the summer, Mike, he had a great camp last year. He had a great off-season program. It was just and that, he, he started his rookie season the first month, first six weeks. Yeah. He was really, really good. He started to. I talked to him after the season was over. It was it was almost a, a conditioning issue. He felt he st physically was wearing down a little bit towards the end of the year. So he's gearing everything this off season to getting ready for all twenty games, four preseason, sixteen regular season, and potentially beyond. The Packers made a heavy investment last year. Yeah, when they they drafted him in the fifth round. They took Hunter Bradley in the seventh. They didn't add competition. In either of those spots they expect those two guys to solidify themselves in those roles and become guys that can be here for 10 12 years and on you know the other side of things Mason Crosby still doing his thing in year 13 they bring in Ficken we'll see how much of a real competition that is or how much that is just trying to take some of the work off of Crosby throughout the summer sure regardless though I'm sure if you talk to Ficken any chance a kicker can have to get into a camp to be able to kick in preseason games that is super valuable because if you're not out there doing it, if you're not on a roster doing it, it's easy to lose track of you. So mm -hmm. for Ficken coming in, he had a couple cups of coffee with the Rams. This is big for him to be able to get that opportunity to come in and, and show that he still is some, a guy that can kick in this league. Uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, well, certainly plenty to watch, and uh, pretty soon we got to get out to the practice field. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team all through OTAs and the mandatory minicamp coming up later in June on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on podcast services. We've got the podcast. If you don't like looking at our faces while we talk, you can just listen to us. That's okay, too. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>